um, at a summer camp, and we were out camping, and uh, um, you know, it's around uh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, it's dark, the fire is going, you know, and around 11 o'clock, that's when all the, the theological questions come out. Um, it was why camps, you know, so it was part of our um, habit to have devotions and stuff. And as we were talking about God and, and, and Jesus and, and the cross and what it meant to, to follow him and, and some of the things even that Becky was talking about in terms of relationships uh, with, this was uh, um, all guys out with their with girlfriends friends and, and the like, um, a, a wind started to pick up. You know, and, and just as we were talking about having a sort of a really a deep spiritual moment, the wind just blows right over the, the, the fire and you know, it just causes it to crackle and, and the flame to sort of to catch on and rise. And the, the guys, you know, they're up going, oh, God is here. Oh, man, God is here. And I'm like, yeah, you know, he sort of let that go for a while. And then say, yeah, yeah, God is here. And, and he's always here. And, and isn't it cool, though? Isn't it really neat when our emotions, when our heart, when our spirit aligns with the reality of God's powerful presence at all times? It's not that God showed up. And the fire, it said that the fire made us aware of the powerful presence of God in that moment. Led us to experience that reality at that time. Because in a way, you know, we, we can't really fully experience God like that all the time. I mean, the writer of Hebrews says God is a consuming fire. You know, humanly speaking, we, our adrenaline just can't, our brain can't handle. We would explode if we experienced the fullness of God like that at all times. And, and also our own sin, you know, just, just our own fallenness, the, the ways that we want to go our own way. There's times uh, that we don't want to experience God. We don't want to know what God thinks, whether actively or passively. You know, that, that prevents us you know, from experiencing the reality of, of God. But, but at all, all times, the, the, the high times and, and the low times, in the good times, and even in our sin, though, God's power is present, and we can experience God. I want to invite Kathy Lowe to come forward. And share um, with us. She's one of the members of the session worship team that's been putting together this particular series. And actually, she's one of the main authors of the devotional books that you get. Uh, but one of the main ones to, to pull that to, to, together. So, um, uh, but ask her just to share a little bit of her, uh, just some of her experience in terms of experiencing God. Hi. <laughs> um, well, he said I'm Kathy. So, um, a lot of you have maybe seen my little guy, Alex, running around, who's not so little. Um, he's, he's nine now. When this, this story happened, he was actually eight. But um, um, he runs. He runs everywhere. And he seems like he has a, doesn't have a, a care in the world. Um, when we, he runs to school. He bursts out of school. He runs down the hall. You guys are all allowed to tell him to stop running. That's okay. But he just... Uh, 
he has a he has a charmed life. He's the way youngest of four. He always has someone to pay attention to him, always has someone to love him. Most of the time, if his siblings are agreeable, has someone to play with him. Um, he has a great life. Well, um, last year, um, Alex and I um, went through the study of Moses together, and it's really fun to learn about God when you get to learn about him through stories, so that was really fun and interesting. But some of the ways that God dealt with the grumbling Israelites as they went through the desert were a little alarming for an eight-year-old. So, you know, he slayed the idolatrous, he um, swallowed the rebellious in the ground, you know, he struck people down with plagues. It was a little scary. So one night after class, um, Alex and I were, he was getting ready to go to bed, and I was, we were praying, and t- I was tucking him in, and he said, Mom, I don't think I love God the way I'm supposed to. I don't think I love him enough. I think I love other things more than I love God. And he was really worried. Um, and I just responded and said, Alex, God knows we can't love him perfectly. That's why he sent Jesus to die for our sins and to be perfect for us. He knows we can't be perfect. Well, he seemed to, that seemed to satisfy him. But um, in the upcoming weeks, it was really cool as he went to Sunday school and I talked to his Sunday school teachers and went back to his Bible class that um, his teachers were really saying that Alex was answering questions and articulating what he had learned in a way that it sounded like he really had learned it. He not only had heard God's word, but he had understood it and had internalized it. It had changed him, and that's really cool. So the point of this whole thing is that even though Alex is, or he's nine now, but even though he's nine, he's he realizes that he's not perfect. Even he, a, a young person, knows that he's a broken person, and we're all broken people. No matter how good things look on the outside or how many right things that it seems like we're doing, Jesus spent a lot of time telling the Pharisees how um, how going through the motions wasn't enough. That being good on the looking good on the outside and not having a heart that was leaning towards him was not enough. So the great thing is, though, when we bring our junk to church, which I sometimes have trouble with. I don't know if you guys do have that, but, you know, like today I'm going to get up and talk in front of you guys. So even though things are kind of crazy at home, I think to myself, okay, i got to get dressed, got to comb my hair, make sure I'm looking, I'm looking good, and then leave everything at home. Well, God doesn't want us to leave all the troubles and stuff at home. He wants us to bring those things with him. He says that he doesn't want our outwardly perfect-looking lives. He wants us to bring our junk and his brokenness to him. And if we don't bring it to church, I don't know, uh, I don't know what we're coming to church for. <laughs> um, he says, uh, when David stands with Bathsheba, he said to God, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings, all that outwardly religious stuff. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. So when we talk about experiences, we've been going through the worship team. Experience is bringing our brokenness and then letting us experience God's word as he speaks to it. 
And then the result of that is that we're transformed. He uses that to slowly transform each one of us, whether we're baby Christians or we've been Christians for a while, into more and more into his likeness. And that's a lifelong process. So um, that's it, I guess. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Kat. The... Jesus uses a a story, a parable, to really highlight that element of experiencing God in in the fullness and and what it means to experience God. What what is, in a sense, our uh, responsibility, but also, as as Kathy was saying, that it wants us to experience God in every part of life, in the the, the messed up stuff and in, in the great stuff. So our passage today is in Mark chapter 4 found on page 815 in your, your pew Bible. If you want to turn there or you can follow along on the screen or whatever form you have uh, the scripture in. Let's uh, pray together. Almighty God, we give ourselves to you now. We want to hear from you. We want to bring everything we are um, to you. We don't want to hide anything. We don't want to compartmentalize anything. We want to want to... Uh, Let you pervade and marinate in all areas of our lives. For for we want you to grow deep and root in our lives and to bring forth a, a bountiful harvest in our lives. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 4, starting with verse uh, 1, we'll go through 9, then we'll jump to verse 13. And the first is a story that Jesus tells to illustrate, and then he explains it um, uh, in the second part of the, what we'll read. Again, he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there. While the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, he began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. Now, a sower is not somebody with needle and thread. A sower is someone with seeds. It's a farmer planting seeds. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil. And brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, let anyone with ears to hear, listen. And jump to verse 13. As they asked him, what does this parable mean, Jesus? And then he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word and it, that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root and endure only for a while. 
Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the, the seed is the word, we're told. The, the seed is so the, the sower, the farmer is the one that, that throws the, the seed, which is the word of God, the message of God, the, the way that we experience God. See, and, and I want you to notice one thing, what we've been saying all along, the, the seed is thrown indiscriminately, liberally, doesn't care what the soil is. The seed is thrown everywhere, whether it's trampled down or whether it's fertile or anywhere in between. And that is the experience of God. The message of God is present anywhere and everywhere, as we've been saying throughout this series, through creation, through others, through His Word. Particularly, we experience Him and hear His message from the Scriptures. But the scriptures aren't a magic pill. It's not just sort of read three passages and you'll be okay. There's also the work, as uh, uh, Kathy was sharing and as Becky was sharing, of the living word. The Holy Spirit who brings that word to bear in our lives. So the experiencing of God. In in, in any place and every place, the, the seed is thrown. But the, the first, the first soil that is described is, is one that is on the path. You know, it's, it's, it's trod down. It's, it, there's just nothing grows there. And what we're told is the seed lands there. It's so hard, so dry. It's unusable. And, and the, the evil one, the, the devil himself, comes and just picks up the seed and takes that. It doesn't even take root. I've got friends that are like that. Friends who, they're just not interested in God. They, they, they do not believe it. They, don't, they think it's made up. And, you know, they'll ask me about my own life and what I'm doing. And every once in a while, I'll just sort of chuckle under their breath at how I'm wasting my life on something that's just a figment of our imagination, an accident of history, a way to explain things that we can't understand. Yeah, they're good neighbors. They're nice folks. They're just not interested, have no interest at all in, in believing that there is a God. The, the, the next soil is, is one that is, uh, we're told, is rocky soil. You know, it's just not much is going to grow there. It's going to grow. It's, it, it's um, it, not a very fertile soil. In a way, the, the rocky soil is like God now, now, interesting here, in these next two soils, the seed does hit there and it does plant. So there is some experience of God, at least initially. But in this one, it's like God is bling. You know what I mean by bling? Just the appearance. Just the, the shiny stuff. You know, we're told that this, this is, folks, they, when they first hear it, they're like, oh, this is cool, this is good news. You know, I like this. And it makes for a nice appearance. On our life, but it's just a mile wide, but an inch deep. 
doesn't really go anywhere. It, it looks good, and it can help at times to have a nice-looking, appropriate life. But the core desire is not about God. It's about life. I mean, the core desire here is to have a nice life, to have a peaceful life. The core desire here is not to follow after God. So it's superficial, on the surface. You're just sort of doing enough to make appearances. But uh, when the sun comes out and life gets hard because of the word, because of following God, you chunk it. And you no longer experience God. The third soil is that that's grown up among thorns and weeds. Again, the soil takes root. I mean, it, it's there. And, and in this one, even, this isn't so much bling. This isn't so much just on the surface. This is really more about um, having uh, the, the bit of life that's a blessing. You know, so it's like, it's not an add-on, but it's just a priority. It's one of the priorities of life. You know, so this one, the, the root even might grow deep, but it's just a bit of life instead of all of life. See, and, and so since it's just one of the priorities, but there are other priorities that biblically we would call idols. You know, there are other things that compete with your experience of God. And those things, you know, as it says here, wealth and the desires of life, and good things even, that become idols, that become more important than God. Even success, uh, family even. That they come up and they grow up with the life with God and experience God. And they get choked and, and dies and isn't fruitful. That, again, that experience fizzles because the desire for God is just one priority of many. Instead of the basis and center of life. So it's, it's not bling, he's not a bit of blessing, but he's then the last soil. No, he is the very basis of life. Um, being uh, Martin Luther King uh, weekend, one of my favorite holiday weekends because it's the, the one weekend that's for a Christian minister. So I really like it. And one who lived the gospel at why that we can, man, we can preach the gospel all weekend. Uh, this this weekend with this particular story and uh, with this particular Christian minister. But uh, one, one of my favorite stories of Dr. King's life, I think that really highlights the result of a, a whole life that is given to God, of the, the good soil, um, uh, occurred in uh, January of 56, um, Dr. King was just in his late, late 20s, and, and they'd been there months into the Montgomery boy, boycott, bus boycott, and, and, um, and there are all kinds of uh, struggles. They thought it would last a couple weeks, maybe a month or two, and now they're, they're fully into it. And, and he's getting all kinds of death threats, and, and his wife and his kids are paying the price for him standing up for um, what is just and, and what is right. And one night in, in January of 56, he, he came in late after a training session and things are really getting hard and, and very uh, a lot of conflict, as you can imagine. And wife and kids are asleep. And as he walks into the kitchen, exhausted, the phone rings. And he, and he picks up the phone. And on the other um, side, it says, uh, Leave Montgomery immediately if you have no wish to die. So one in the morning, 
after a long day of giving yourself what you think is what, what God wants you to do, the, the fear, uh, Dr. King said, just exploded within him. And he didn't know what to do. And so in his kitchen table with the, the coffee brewing, he just fell on his knees. And, and he, he recounts these were his, uh, his words in the midst of trying to figure out where, what to do. As he was even trying to figure out, even started to, to, to think about how are ways that I can get out of this and not look like a fool. How can I just sort of back out? He said uh, in his prayer, he writes this in this book, Strive Toward Freedom. I'm here taking a stand for what I believe is right, but now I am afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership, and if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I'm at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. You know, the the sun was shining, and the thorns were strangling. And he says, at that moment... I experienced the presence of the divine as I'd never experienced God before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, Stand up. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And I will be at your side forever. And he said in that moment it was like it was eerie how the fear dissipated. And then he was changed. Three days later, um, his house exploded. Uh, somebody set a bomb. And by, by God's grace, nobody was in the house. And he, Dr. King said when he heard about it later, he, he was strangely, eerily at peace. And then a crowd gathered at the destroyed house. And they were mad. They, you know... Fists were clenched. They were ready to act. And, and, and Dr. King arrived and he, he got on top of the, the broken down front porch and then calmed to the crowd. We must meet hate with love. Remember, if I'm stopped, this movement will not stop because God is with this movement. Go home with this glorious faith and radiant Assurance, and the angry mob dissipated and went home. That's a picture of the good soil bearing fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. The essence of life is good soil, it's fertile soil. It's, it's, it's soil. You know, the thing about good soil, about fertile soil, is it's, and, and dirt, that's another name for soil, it's dirty. It's really messy. It's why it's got to be the whole life, not just the surface, not just part, but the whole life when we experience all of God. If there's one thing that I'm able to do, I'm able to make dirt. I do that. I have a compost pile. Had it for years. 
You know, and it's amazing what a compost is made of. You take all the dirty, yucky, dead stuff. You know, the stuff that's gone bad. You take the banana peels. You take the dead leaves that are such a nuisance, right? You, you take all that stuff. You add a little water. You put it together. You stir it up. And next thing you know, it comes out as fertile soil. I love that Jesus uses dirt as the illustration of our lives. That it's not something nice and clean. It's not a petri dish in a laboratory. It's dirt in the middle of a field. That is what we bring to God. Our dead leaves and banana peels and eggshells that we mix up and we bring it to Him and He makes us fertile soil to experience Him in all of life. You know, Dr. King wasn't perfect. He's messed up in his own ways, just like Moses, who was a murderer. Just like David, who was an adulterer and a murderer. Just like the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who persecuted the church. And just like Peter, who denied Jesus to his face three times. Those are our heroes who bring the mess. Of all of their lives. They stop trying to just keep it on the surface. Stop trying to just make it a part of their life. And say, Jesus, you've got to have it all. That's what we want to experience of God. Experience all of God. So we give Him all of ourselves. The dirt, the mess, the highs and the lows. And let Him make a fertile soil that bears fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, here we are. We, we, we want to want to bring you everything. We, we want to, to bring it all because we know what you can do when we give you all. We want to give all of you to experience. We give all of ourselves to you so that we might experience all of you in the fullness of our life. Hear us in this time. As we bring ourselves to you, Lord, is there, there are ways that we keep you at the surface, ways we compartmentalize you in different parts of our lives. We don't want to do that. Ways in the, uh, that, in, in the church, uh, ways at school, ways at, at home, ways in our businesses. Lord, we, we don't want any part to not be fully marinating in you. We bring it all before you with, with joy, with, with expectation, with, with excitement. Don't let us off the hook, Lord. Don't, don't let us just make a, a statement now in our minds and, and not really follow through. Continue to remind us as your people. Because we want to be totally yours. We want to experience you to the full.
hear the cries of our heart. Continue to form the cries of our heart. Continue to lead us for your glory. And Almighty God, we also take this time and we lift up others before you in need of your healing hand or in celebration of your wonderful provision. We lay them before you in supplication and in thanksgiving. Now hear us, Lord, as we come before you in one voice, as you have taught us uh, um, our, our prayer that we long to be your church without walls fully. Tear down every wall between us and you, us and one another, and, and us and, and those who don't know you. Dear God, make us into your community for your glory. Connect us in Jesus, no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus, no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you, no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus. Amen. Um, now, uh, just for your own uh, prayer this week, uh, just a couple items. Continue to be in prayer for Betty Henderson, who's at Drake Hospital, uh, Bob Fall and Joe Briner, Clem Mertz, Tim Newman, all released from the hospital but continuing to recover, um, as, as well Nick Yaw um, and Marina Coys. Uh, continue to pray for them. Also, uh, um, Gabriel Kalubi was in a serious car accident this week, so let's uh, continue to keep uh, Gabriel in our prayers. And also, uh, we just celebrate with Lena Brining that uh, her 100th birthday is this week. And so we want to celebrate that. Lena, we're thankful to God for you and God's provision for you. So... um, uh, Now, let us, uh, in that that spirit, let us continue then to, to worship God as we offer to Him all that we are, what fits in the plate and what doesn't, Uh, what is good and pretty and what is ugly and stinky. We give it all to God for His miraculous work to bear fruit in and through us. So let's worship God as we offer Him, as we offer ourselves unto Him.